0: Welcome back to the Team Voxelbaum Show. This is episode 39 of the series of episodes contained within the podcast. We are recorded at 6.15 in the a.m. This is a rare time to be recording, actually, because for once I did not stay up the whole night. I actually went to bed. I actually just woke up. About an hour ago, something. Maybe actually, it was actually longer than that. It was actually like two or three hours ago. I woke up at like 3 a.m. I went to bed at 9 p.m. How weird is that? Something's not right. If that's the case, of I'm actually going to bed at 9 p.m. and waking up at 3 a.m., who am I? That dude with the the, the army guy that I can't think of his name. Who wakes up at 3 a.m. unless you're like in the army? If you're working like as an emergency responder, like a like a, somebody that's important, like, like a health health worker, sometimes they have to be up in odd hours. Anyway, why why, why did I wake up at 3 a.m.? I don't know, but I'm recording. But that's really bizarre. That's new to be recording this podcast right after I wake up how's that happening i well it's cuz i'm making a change in my life i'm starting to like actually try to make progress on fixing my habits my bad habits that cause me to be more fatigued and you know just stay in bed longer than you really need to be ideally unless you got something seriously anyway what is the change i made that allowed me to wake up and have enough energy to do this at six a.m. right after waking up. Well, I guess it's just my diet. I just changed my diet. Not what I eat. I, I'm still. I, it's not about what I eat. It's about the amount that I consume. It's the amount that I'm allowing myself to consume. I'm fasting, which I have have been doing for a year. I've been fasting like at least a little bit of the day every single day for a year not perfectly like i would take there would be many irregularities and like i would but i was tracking it still i would track within an app when i would stop fasting for over a year without any with, without any uh, stopping so that hasn't really i mean that's fine but i'm used to that i'm used to the whole fasting one meal a day thing but then again, I don't think I was. I don't think I am yet. Because in the whole year, and before then, for many years, since I was a teenager, I've been binge eating every night. I don't think I, I ever took a night off that I can remember since I, in the past many years, many years. I think it started when I was a teenager, you know, definitely because I, when I started smoking weed as a teenager, I would get the munchies and so I would eat and keep eating until there was nothing left to eat. I definitely did that as a kid in my, in my adult, in my parents' house. And I felt like a piece of garbage just eating food that I didn't even, I didn't pay for it. And then you, I felt guilty because this was not meant to be just for me to consume you know this was for the other people you got so I felt like a so I felt bad for doing that and that's when it started that was the beginning of my career as a binge eater and I didn't know that's what it was I didn't know there was like a fancy term for it and that it was actually like an like a diagnosable illness I didn't know that it was essentially the same thing as bulimia that I was doing without the, uh, purging of, but, but, the, but, that I, but I was purging because I was fasting for the past year. Fasting is considered a form of purging. So it's not as, you know, it's not as extreme as forcing yourself to throw up or ex. but it's, it's a same, it's a, it's a fat, it's a form of purging nonetheless because you're telling yourself, Oh, I gotta make up for this mistake. And then you feel better after you fasted, but then you just do it you just do it again. You just binge, you go right back to the binge with even more vengeance than you than before because you were restricting yourself. Are you kidding me? Exercise is also a form of purging. If you're exercised the next day to make up for the binge, the shame and the you know, the calories to try to make up for it. That's purging. Uh, So I was uh, not really a big fan. I'm not a big fan of exercise. I don't like moving myself and having momentum. I don't like moving around a lot. Uh, So I would just fast. Fasting is the laziest way to to feel like you're doing something. If you want to feel like you're accomplishing something but don't want to do anything... Literally fasting is what that is, just not doing what you would normally just not eating. And like that's tougher than it's that's tough. Like eating, you have these urges, your body tells you, hey, we haven't eaten in the normal in the time that we normally eat. Big whoop. You don't gotta listen to your dumb body. You it'll tell you like there's ways to know if your body's actually in need of food or if you're just eating because you're bored. Your body doesn't really need that much food. If it's high quality, if it's the right nutrients, your body don't need to be filled up every single day. It'll coast. And that's what keto is. You know, It kind of it's uh, gets you into the not needing as much food once you're totally fat adapted. If you're running off fat for fuel... You're not going to really eat as much because it's more efficient. You don't have to load up your stomach with bulky food. You just eat like a nice half pound of brisket with nothing on it. it which is just salt and maybe butter, and that's a perfect keto meal, zero carb. That's pretty much zero carb. Maybe the butter has some, I don't know, a little, but if you're just eating like a Pound like a half pound to a pound of meat every day. That's that's all you really need. I mean, you might need the other nutrients that you don't get in the meat. You might need to take vitamins or eat organ meat. if you really want to be zero carb or the meaty the uh, carnivore diet. You can't only eat brisket. You gotta take you need, you need you need, you need the other stuff. You need some other vitamins that are not found in just common. You know, you gotta eat that organ meat, and that that's intriguing to, because I, it does sound interesting to try to see if that would do anything better. Because you, know, you know, that's all you really need, and like keto feels good. I wonder if it would feel even better. But I just want—I'm just working on keto. It's very difficult to get to click into it and to actually tell myself, "Okay, I'm done eating today." That's what I'm trying to actually make progress on, because that's where the binge eating and the healthy uh, eating—that's where it meets. That's where those two concepts meet. Is when you've already had them, you've had your broken your fast, okay, and you've had your one meal of the day. If that's what you're doing, that's what I'm doing. I do one meal a day because I'm trying to lose weight or whatever. I'm just trying to do what is the most Efficient for my body, but it doesn't happen. I usually go eat. I continue eating until I go to bed, until the last second before I fall asleep. So that's where that's not good. Because then just I just go to bed completely full, and that's probably why I would wake up feeling like crap. Because today I don't feel like crap, and I I didn't change nothing in my life except for not binging i just told myself you know you're in control of your actions you're in control of your muscle movements of your mouth and your hands and you let you don't have to walk to the pantry and eat and get more food out of it you don't have to like nothing's forcing me except for the urge the urge is like you gotta satisfy this urge and that's it's not that hard. Like, all I had to do was listen. I read this book. I listened to this audio book called Brain Over Binge, baby. Brain Over Binge. And it tells you, it's like, yo, man, you're not that crazy. You're not, it's not that deep. You don't have to get therapy and find the root cause of why you're eating to fill some you know, psychological hole. There might not, there's not a psychological hole necessarily it's just that you like to eat but you just made a habit you just developed a habit of eating to to the point where you don't where you feel bad you have a habit of overeating because you're restricting yourself because of a diet and because you just developed a habit once you have the habit of overeating you're gonna have urges that want that get you to keep doing it it's a bad habit and the only way to break a bad habit is to just stop doing it. You don't need to find out the reason it started. I mean that could be any num number of reasons. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the dieting is one thing that s- triggers it is b- because your body is telling you that it needs calories. If you restrict calories, you're gonna feel urges. Naturally. It's just your natural it's your body doing its job. Your lower animal brain just reacting to the survival instincts that it was born that it just that's its job. So you can listen to that and feed the urge, and then feel bad afterwards and feel out of control. But that's just because it's a strong habit that you're feeding. You're feeding a habit. You don't have to hire a bunch of therapists. Hey, I don't know. I think I only became a binge eater in the first place because of weed because weed just got me into the habit of wanting to eat more and more. And then I don't know. it just became a pattern. So who cares? So I just, so it's taken me up until just the past two days. That's it. That's the only, pr- that's the only time I've done this is, uh, be like, okay, man, that's it. We ate, we ate a pound of beef and it had barbecue sauce that was Definitely had sugar in it. So that's it. We don't need nothing else. And I had this, my stomach was kind of full, but I was like, no, I I want ice cream. I need to get the full spectrum of taste and satiate. I want to feel it more because I'm not satisfied until I'm full, until I'm over full, until I'm uncomfortably full. That's the, that's one of the symptoms. So I was like, you know, you're in, that's just your dumb Brain, your animal brain, your primitive brain telling you to do that. And that's, you don't have to listen to it. So I was just like, yeah, I'm not. I'll just observe that, yeah, that, that it's there, but like, I'm just telling myself, that's it. You're full. And I did. I was able to go to sleep without doing, without eating more. And I did it two days in a row. And that was like a breakthrough. For me, because the next day it's like, oh, that's I feel so much better. That's the only thing I had to stop doing was uh, cave into these primitive urges, man. And then you just, and then after a while, it'll get easier. I won't have the urge anymore because the neural pathway won't be fed and, and strengthened, so it'll wear. Off. It'll just go away if you don't use it, you lose it. That's all it is, man. So I'm, I'm, I don't know, man. I, I like the feeling of, because that has been a big thing to that's been holding me back is this binge eating. Because the next day it just takes away all desire to do anything, man, and then, except for eat more. It's a, and then I saw this thing on the app that I used to track my fast. It said, you got to treat your fast breaker as a drug. And that was like breakthrough thing for me as well, because I it is like taking a fucking hit of heroin. That first bite of food after breaking a fast, especially a longer one, like after two days, you're gonna be fed, like thinking about food like it's the most important thing in the world. Like that's all I'll, I'll think about. And then that first bite is like so rewarding. That if I'm going to keep eating and eating and eat, like it's just, it's so, it's a drug. You can't overdose on the freaking thing that you, you need to survive. That is also could be a pleasurable thing that you could overdo. So that was a breakthrough thing. It's like, that's right. That's what I'm not doing. Cause when I break these fasts, I'm so hungry and ready to start eating that it just consumes me and my brain turns off and I tune out. And you're not you're not supposed to do that you're supposed to like actually be in the like like think about the food that you're eating. you're supposed to like enjoy it in the present and be like, oh i'm this is good, I'm enjoying chewing it you're not supposed to just wolf it down, man and so so I was overdosing myself so that just all I had to do was be like, okay, this is a drug don't over don't overdo, don't stick more into the syringe just take it slow. And feel it go down, feel your stomach get full, and then end. Tell yourself, okay, I've had enough food. I don't want to feel like uh, I'm not full, so I made sure to eat enough until I was like, at least, okay, this is enough. Gee, like at least a thousand calories, you know? And that's it, man. It's, it's, uh, you gotta, it's man, it's brain over. Body. Brain over matter. I don't know. I forgot what it was. It's a great book. Will I be able to sustain this? I don't know. That's the thing. As long as you don't feed into the urge and you go days and days, and after a while, it will fade away and you won't even have the urge to do it anymore, man. So why is this so important, though? Why do I care so much about having a disease or a, a eating disorder? Like, who cares? Can't you just... Go about. I mean, do people die of binge of binge eating disorder? Not really. They die of anorexia and bulimia. They could die, you could die from that if you're underweight. Isn't that crazy? That's I didn't think that I could have it. That uh, that I could have an eating disorder because I am not overweight or underweight. I'm just kind of right where I should be weight wise. But it doesn't matter, man. That's part of it. You want to be thin, and you're ashamed of yourself. I I have it. I'm sorry, man. So anyway, uh, that's enough of that. We're beating the. We're trying to make better of ourselves. Because why do I care about that? Oh yeah, I was like, why does it? Why do I care if I have an eating disorder? Well, and why do I want to solve it? Basically, for what I just said about how it depletes your energy levels. My energy levels the next day. Boom, zip, zap. Zop. And I need energy levels to put out creative output. Because if I don't do that, then, it, and then I, what am I here for? What's the point of being here if I'm not going to put out creative stuff? I like being creative. I also like being logical in programming. But that's creative. I like investing. But that takes some creative. That's creative because there's many, many, many ways to do it. And we'll get more into that later because this is becoming a more serious, you know, I talk about serious stuff that I'm actually interested in. I'm trying to become a genuine character, a person, a personality that's not just fake. But I'm still, I I like me, you know, I don't want people knowing everything though. Anyway, so I'm nine months sober. I just hit the nine month. So a baby could have been made. A baby, in the time since I last had a drink, could have been conceived and given birth to. Not prematurely, just the right, perfectly normal baby. Could have been made. Isn't that crazy? It feels like a long time ago, though. Like, that that is a long time. The whole time I've been doing this, since episode one, that feels like a... That was a long time ago. Nine months is a long time. But I guess it makes sense because babies are pretty, like, modern, high-tech devices. Imagine if it took that long to make an iPhone. That is crazy. I think we are kind of behind in technology if it takes that long to make a baby. Not to make one, but, like, yeah, to print a baby, to develop a baby, it takes longer than a house. I don't think this house took nine months to make but but that's just a house. Babies are smarter than houses. Babies, you know, they say this was a smart home. Babies are smarter than houses for the most part. But babies are not smarter than iPhones. And we're, how many iPhones, we're, we're developing iPhones. We're producing how many iPhones a day? It takes, I don't, does it take a day to even make an iPhone? I don't, does it, because that's a way more sophisticated device than any human on the planet, unless you care about, like, emotional intelligence. We don't have that, yeah, okay, we don't have that yet, but the second we invent artificial intelligence and duplicate, replicate the uh, human emotion in a device, it'll, it'll, it's become so easy we'll just be able to just print them, just mass produce them overnight so there you go evolution is way it's slow it's like so slow like we're 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 still evolving as a species but it's it's pretty much we're it's so stagnated compared to how fast we're evolving ideologically and technologically so who cares, man? Evolution is irrelevant at this point, you know? Unless you're, like, unless you're on another planet. On this planet, we got it. We don't need to evolve anymore. We're fine. We're just going to leave our bodies and put ourselves in machines. And that those could just be sent anywhere. Those could be sent in the middle of space. Just out, We could just shoot them off out of the orbit of the sun, so we don't need, who cares? We don't need a planet at that point. We just need like a, a server room, a nice server room in a spaceship. Dude, that's easy. Like the Voyager spacecraft has been going around, has been just drifting into space, into interstellar space since the 70s, and it's doing fine. Nobody's messing with it. Like, nobody's, like, trying to, like, there's no pirates in space, like, trying to, like, steal, like, trying to, you know, destroy it or whatever you call it when a pirate just, you know, pillages? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all we're going to be in a hundred years or less is when the universe, when the Earth is too polluted beyond repair or whatever happen, whatever comes first, probably pollution is what's going to, trigger us to be like okay enough for this place uh because it's not going to be the expansion of the sun we'll be way gone before that happens that's easy to outrun if we leave now we'll easily outrun the expansion of the sun when it blows up in a couple billion years i mean come on, we got such a head start so we're just going to upload our consciousness to a computer chip In a spacecraft, probably way bigger than the Voyager, because it'll contain a lot more data. It'll contain the consciousness of everybody's collective brains. You know? That's just one spacecraft, and it could contain probably the entire planet's consciousness. And we'll just be hanging out in the metaverse with Mark Zuckerberg and everybody who's ever lived. We'll resurrect them. We'll figure out a way to just do that. It's like, oh, John Lennon is not alive anymore? Well, we still somehow know how to replicate his brain because of, we have his DNA. But that's not enough. I don't. We need the brain state, not just the DNA. The DNA is just what you start out with. You need the state of the brain and every connection in the whole brain mapped out. And that's it's not that complicated, you know? It's like, okay... Where's this path go? Where does it start? Where's it go? How many neurons are involved? What's the spiderweb shape of this neural path? That's all it is. It's just electrical circuits distributed in different shapes in the brain i i I don't know how the actual information is stored. i think I don't know that part yet. I don't know that much about what I'm talking about. So nine months ago is is when I started this podcast, and it's going great. I'm becoming more determined to make something of myself and not just stay at the uh, the baseline of just not even leaving the gate. I wanna, cause I I don't believe in myself. I don't be I don't feel like I deserve or that I am good enough or that the world needs me to put out content. I just don't think the world is looking for what I what I am. You know, like I know that there's a tiny minority, like a tiny percentage of the population that would be into what I put out, but I it still has to be good. I mean, yeah, if you take enough of a population, eventually you'll come across somebody that is like, oh, I'm into you, whatever you're, I'm into this, even if it's like the shittiest thing ever, even if it has no quality control, and you're literally just jerking off into the wind, anything, even if you're doing evil shit, there's still going to be, there's going to be somebody, if you pull up enough people, there's going to be somebody's going, oh, I'm into that, but to reach those people, you gotta how the, how the hell do you do that? How do you market yourself if your target audience is point zero zero, you know, of the population? One in a million. If yeah, if your fan base is literally one in a million, that means I only have like three hundred fans in the whole country. That's a pretty vast landmass to only have 300 fans so either i have to get way better at producing content that appeals to more people or i have to go to a bigger planet or just rely on the internet that reaches the whole globe because if because it really isn't that bad of a ratio if you're considering the whole planet because there's a how many people on the planet? There's eight billion people on the planet, so that'd be, I think, a million, one in a million. Yeah, it'd be eight million fans. Nah. With that, no, I'm wrong. All right, I gotta do the math. Okay, so one in a million to a billion. A million is a thousand times less than a. So, yeah, scale it up by a 1,000. So it would be a 1,000 fans per billion. So this we're only talking 8,000, and I thought it was 8 million. So I'm off by a factor of 2x by, uh, yeah, uh, order of magnitude. I'm off by two orders of magnitude. So I thought it would be 8 million in the whole, but no, that would be only 8,000. And that's pretty modest if you're talking... Out of the whole world, 8,000, only 8,000 people fuck with you. And you've reached, that's if you've reached literally all of them. Like, literally all of them have been like, okay, I'm not into this. And the that's pretty bad. So I gotta, so if that's your batting average, you gotta get, I gotta get better. But I don't, I don't know, man, I just have a idea, I have a perception of how, Good I currently am and and how good I want to be and how the world sees me and how the world wants, how they react when they see the stupid stuff I'm putting out. Okay, so I don't know why. So I, I started by talking about sobriety, but I'm working towards talking about like content, being a content creator. I'm starting to care about that. I'm starting to actually care about putting in the necessary effort into producing content that actually people want to consume because with this podcast i do zero of that i don't do any eff- i don't put any like strategic planning into like what is going to make this worthwhile content content wise we're just talking like content not like technical quality like i do put thought into like the microphone the lighting and the camera qual That's it though. I don't put in and with my outfit. All very superficial things. Meaningless things. Like I care about when the last time I wore the shirt on the podcast was. It was about 20 episodes ago. I know that. But I don't care if what I'm saying while wearing the shirt is going to be interesting to the user or listener. Or You got to... Do something that people actually, so, but I don't care about this pocket. I'm just trying to do it as a exercise to do something with regularity because it becomes really easy to let a week go by. And anyway, that's the, that's my justification. That's just my perspective. If you're, if you're wondering as to why I don't care about this, why I don't put effort into this. Oh, I, I set an alarm on my phone. To put out the garbage, you see today's garbage day. When this is coming out, and when I'm recording this, I'm putting this out right after. It's garbage day, and I actually put out the garbage. That's tough. That's a tough job. Waking up early to take the garbage, or doing it last night. I don't. I'm too lazy. Way too lazy to go out and put the trash bins out. I've not leave left the house for two weeks. three weeks, I think. Geez, yeah, if not more, if not longer, F- because I'm focused on stuff that c- can only be done at home. I don't need to go home. I don't need to go anywhere to do what I'm currently doing. And it's super hot in Texas. We've been on a streak of like sixty days or something crazy like that of uh, highs of triple digits, and uh, yeah, that gets kind of boring after so it's like wow another whole week of it being unbearably but i don't care i don't go anywhere man i don't give a crap and it's temporary man it'll go it'll get better but it is like but it's seriously like three to four months of that yeah i could see why people complain about it i ain't complaining i like it i like it because you don't have to iron anything like this shirt should it it would be more wrinkly if it was cooler because the, the the sweat and the just being in a hot environment actually counts as it it irons your shirt for you isn't that crazy so i finally bit the bullet this is a very important topic for this podcast because i've been talking about it i talked about it two episodes ago about how i was buying a couch or in the process of choosing which couch to buy, and I finally bit the bullet and bought a couch. And we'll only spend another ten minutes on this at the most, but like it's just such a heavy topic that I got that I'm milking it for everything it's worth. Is because this topic, buying furniture, as I have said many times, is a very painful process, painstaking process. Because we live in a world where it's hard to find a wife to do that for you. I would have, if you have a wife, what do you what do you have to do? You just go, okay, here's here's the credit card. Oh, you want me to come with to help you decide which out of which preference you want, even though you already know which one you want. You just want me to uh, affirm your decision that you've already subconsciously. Yeah, sure, I'll go with you. Or you could just send me a picture, just text me, just FaceTime me and show, oh, yeah, that one looks, that would look great. But since I don't have a wife and since it's, you know, so everything's up to me, every little decision that's put into this house is just has to be up to me. That is quite a lot of responsibility for one dude who doesn't have the energy for just doesn't I don't, it's not my passion interior design or taking out the trash or cleaning the stove, anything. It's all gotta be me. I ain't, I can't afford a cleaner. All right. I could but like, it would be ridiculous. It'd be so ridiculous to get some, to hire somebody to clean this place because of how little needs to be cleaned. It just would just look so late. It's like, seriously, so, anyway, so I finally, I was like, you know what? This couch, this one looks good. It's leather. It's wide. It's, it's, it's a sofa. Technically, it's a sofa. It's 90 inches wide. And it's, it's pretty nice. It's brown. And so, I don't know, man. I don't know if it looks that good, but I like it. And it's deep. It's too deep for me to sit on without, like, putting my feet up. I can't, so I had to get a bunch of pillows, and that's another thing. I'm waiting on pillows, and now I was like, how much do I want to spend on a pillow? Turns out you could spend like $300 on a pillow easily, just a handmade pillow, $300 to $400 a pop. But they're pretty. They look good. But the thing is, like dropping 1600 bucks on this couch, that is not a small amount of money for me. But I wanted a nice one. I want a new one. I don't want somebody else's couch. But why do I? So it's a, That's the thing. It's like, do I really want to invest thousands of dollars on something that you could just get for on Craigslist? But I did, and I'm happy with. I'm happy with it because it is an investment in the sense that, hey. You're gonna use it, you're gonna get use out of it. It's gonna last and it's gonna make the house feel more like a home. So I'm happy with it. And I got an armchair coming tomorrow that's in the same style, same thing, just an armchair version of it. Also over a thousand dollars. So I was like, do I really need it? Yes. It'll fill because I I gotta fill up the living space. And then I'll get a coffee table, and it'll be awesome. But it's weird just having my own living space and a couch, like a brown leather couch. Because, like, I don't know, it doesn't look like me. Like, me, my personality is somebody that doesn't have a couch. So going from somebody that's, like, so inhospitable and antisocial and just prefers to not have anybody in their home to somebody having a, a, a nice furniture set it's like that's is that who i am as a person i don't know i guess people change as they get older they develop new interests it's like i guess i could be the type of person who has a couch hey it's new to me and i'm happy with it but the thing is the whole concept of it being an investment is really not an investment it's just something you you spend money on and then it loses value no couches gain appreciated. Are you kidding me? Did Picasso make a couch? Unless it's you know painted on by a famous dead painter, yeah, couches depreciate. And this brings me to the first or the second real topic of the podcast, and that is investing. Yes we're going there again sorry it's boring i'm old i'm becoming an old man and this is the type of topic that interest that that we like what is the interesting part what's the fun thing to look forward to as you get old nothing except for having more money that's it if you're not saving or accumulating more wealth right now, what are you doing? You're just working to maintain your livelihood to just feed yourself and then the rest of your, just that's it. Your money goes towards expenses only. You have no extra income that you're invest that you're using to save up to build wealth. I do not envy that. I used to be that way, but to go back to that, to go back to somebody who's losing wealth and, and just spending all your money on rent or stupid material items that only depreciate in value? Are you kidding me? That's not what life is about. Hey, that is what life is about if you just want to be young. If you want to die young, I ain't knocking that, hey, less, less competition for me. But unless you want to die young and be one of those people Somebody just, oh, okay, I'm just going to be Jimi Hendrix, just put out a bunch of shit and then overdose, and that, then I'm gone. Okay, fine. If that's your style, you could still at least have some good, make some decisions that lead to your legacy and your estate getting more wealthy. Don't just, I mean, because Jimi Hendrix, I don't think he knew anything about that. I don't think he... I th- I'm pretty sure he got completely ripped off by his uh business dealings and his music. I have no idea. I'm pretty sure his uh his his uh what do you call it? estate is doing fine though. It's going up in value. You want your net worth to go up over time and especially after you're dead. For sure after you're dead too. I don't know about especially, but if you care about that, I don't know if I care about intergenerational wealth. I kind of do. I do. It's not all about me. Yeah, I want to be swimming and I want to have a high net worth as an individual, but why? Just to be alone? No. I want to have it to build a family, be a patriarch, and then die, which I will. It happens. And then how do you feel power for how do you maintain power after you leave your body? Wealth. You, by, by having intergenerational wealth. Uh, by having enough money that your name maintains at, even after you're out of the universe. Even after you have left this planet, you still have this thing just that's going to outlast you by like a thousand years. That's... That's powerful. That's the closest you could get to being immortal is by spreading your legacy down multiple generations with the same name because of how much money you had. Because you had so much money that people actually care about your dead dad and his, what his name Because the name, that's the only reason that like people have like famous last names is because like they're faint well the only reason for my name to continue going is if i make so much money that i'm the patriarch like nobody's gonna care about my last name if uh i don't spread i don't know you got that's what makes your name significant is the like okay you're if that i don't know it's not that important. What, what's important is that they remember that I was alive at one point and that I'm the one who started. I'm the first one to make the money because that's who cares. If I'm just one of the kids that just inherits it and passes it on, who cares? No. See, that's the thing. You need somebody to maintain your estate even beyond your your grandkids and so on. It's got to be your money still, not just, oh, okay, it just goes to my kid. No, 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 no. They're going to get a little pension, a very strict pension. See, that's another thing to talk about. How the hell do you distribute? That's such a conundrum with wealth and passing it down. How do you pass it down? Because you don't want your kids to be spoiled, man, like me. I know the feeling of being spoiled in so many ways in in ways that came from my parents and also ways that I built my, on my own on ways that I've become accustomed to because of my own hard work I've, be, I've been able to spoil myself so how, so I know what it's like to be spoiled and it's gr- it's a gross feeling that feeling of like eh what's the I don't want what do I got to do that for I'm not going to Work, I'm not gonna put effort into something I could just pay for. I could just have somebody else do. Yeah, that's a, and just having that lack of drive and like entitlement because everything is so easy. You don't want that in your kids. You want them to contribute to society, not just be like, okay, I I have this pension that for the rest of my life, I'm always gonna get paid a set amount. So I'm always going to be fine. I'm always going to have like a couple grand coming in every week. And it'll it'll adjust with inflation. It'll just go up with inflation because my estate will be generating income even after I'm dead passively, semi-passively, from interest, from dividends, from just the rise in the market because I'll have people managing my money after i'm dead so the kids will just get paid like a nice fixed pension that adjusts with inflation but it'll be pretty much the same amount so they'll get so used to they will be like, okay i got two thousand okay i can just spend it all on drugs uh, yeah i could throw a crazy party but you know that's within reason that's still within only what they have two thousand like let's say it's around yeah two thousand a month or a week i mean that's that's not that crazy. That's that's enough to live off in pretty much any city in the country, except for New York. Even in New York, you probably get by in some areas, in like Brooklyn and like a cheaper areas of whatever. But that's still like okay. You can't have like a crazy cocaine. Can't like you know hire Drake to show up with two thousand bucks. That's nothing. So never mind. So. So I guess they would still kind of, it would still make them want more because they'll see like, oh, man, I got only two grand coming in, yet my grandpa, who it's coming from originally, he has like $2 billion in his trust, but I only get 2000 a week out of that? No, I want more. How do I get more? So that would be a weird frustration. It's like, okay, I know I have this income, but it's not... You're still gonna want a little more, you know. But then again, I'm still my instinct is still correct to say there's gonna be some of my kid. I can't control this. It th- it just it happens to the best of us. Even the most hardworking entrepreneurs will eventually have at least a, a kid or two down the line that is lazy and just wants to do a bunch of drugs and just live off the 2000 a week and never get a job never grow and just stay stagnant for their whole life into their 40s and just play just nothing just do whatever they they just jerk off all day to hentai hey what could i say that's just part of being rich that's just part of the reality of of being wealthy is one of your fucking kids is going to be a loser. It's just going to be a a, bre- a spoiled brat. And I can live with that because I'll be dead at the time. So actually, I don't know if I can live with that, but if I was alive, I'd be like, eh, I can live with this, but I'll be dead by that time. There's no way my kids are going to be that way. If my kids act like that, I'll just cut them off because I'm a tough love type of father. I already know that about my, I I think I'd be a pretty bad father. Like I would be, uh, cutting the, I'd be like, nah, you're not getting your money. This cause I'm not a sugar daddy. I don't, I wouldn't want to be a sugar daddy. This whole $2,000, this whole pension thing, they got to earn it, man. They got to be doing something to earn it or at least be in my good graces. <laughs> And that could change after I'm dead because my values will be set in stone, literally in stone. There will be a slab of stone, you know? There'll be like literally a slab of, what do you call that? Like the stone, the Rosetta stone that says, okay, thou shalt not start in OnlyFans, That'll be the first. That'll be like the number one thing that they gotta respect. And if they, if they just, if, yeah. So if they start an OnlyFans, boom, have fun. You're no longer getting the 5k a week, which it'll go up to, who knows, with inflation, whatever. So they'll, there will be rules that they have to follow. So I'm gonna be that type of a tyrant and patriarch long after I'm dead. I don't know, that's just fun. That's the whole point of getting, of like why people stay alive so long. Even if they're eating shitty food, like Warren Buffett. That dude eats McDonald's regularly, and he's in his mid-90s. He's in his 90s. But I want him to keep living forever, man, because he knows, he's just the type of dude that I I love. And if he dies, his stock price of Berkshire Hathaway, that'll, that shit is definitely going to crash when he dies, dude. Who's going to believe that the next person to take over Berkshire Hathaway is going to be as cool as Warren Buffett and like steady-handed? I don't know, man. I know it's going to definitely crash. But if he lives forever, if like some new drug, I don't know. You just always want, that's the fun part about, investing is that you just want it gives you a reason to stay alive that's the great thing about it it's like well i know i can't die yet because i want to know what happens to the market it just like becomes so enthralling like i have this alarm on my phone that wakes me up and tells me hey the market's open because stocks man that's the thing i've never been into is stocks until now, I'm finally starting to invest some significant uh, capital into stocks. It's a fun time to be looking into shit to buy because the market's only going down. Everything's down. It's not fun to invest when everything's going up and like has been up. It's not like, oh, okay, I guess I'll put money into this thing that's already up 100% this year it's like okay i hope it it's probably going to be a long term thing and like but with the, when everything's down it's like okay we're only it's only around the corner where everything's going to go up i don't have to wait until a, like a whole until it peaks upwards i only have to wait for it to peak downwards so if it goes down more it's like okay perfect i'm i have money to go into the market so, if I, of course, the lower it goes, the better I'm going to feel entering especially if it's a legitimate thing to invest in, like if it's an index fund. See, because where did I get this money? Wait, who, who who, has money lying around to invest? I didn't up until this past few weeks when I sold this stupid um, Tesla. When I, so, the whole one of the plans was to invest that cash into something that's going to appreciate cars are the absolute worst investment they don't appreciate they only depreciate and they cost insurance and they cost what else maintenance and sometimes interest if you have a loan that's horrible that's a lose lose So I wanted to do the complete opposite of that. So I got rid of the Tesla. It's now costing me zero. And now I have $100,000 at least to play with. And that's pretty fun. That gets your heart rate going. That gets your belly. That gets you out of bed in the morning when it's like, okay, what am I going to allocate this money to? Because... That shit could easily go up quite a bit very fast. But, like, that's not what it's about. It's not about the short term, but I have a strategy of, or at least not, I don't know if it's a strategy, but it's a loose, I'm so new to it that I'm just based, I'm experimenting with the stock market. Like, I have some positions from a couple years ago that are, like, a couple hundred bucks worth of, 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 it's just a couple shares of Apple, for example. I bought a couple shares of Apple two years ago at $120. And now it's worth $150. So that just that's a nice gain right there. And that's a blue chip stock. And like of course it was a good time to buy at $120. Because Apple is one of the most investable. It's just one of the most lucrative. Companies in the world and long term it has a uh a moat as as it's called as Warren Buffett calls it it has a moat meaning there's not a lot of companies that could come and infiltrate their their uh market space it's pretty hard to be the next apple it's such a unique one of a kind brand that the like wow do they have a lot of market share so any anyway, so that's of course 150 that's also pretty good of a val- of a price of an entry point for apple because of course it's going to go to the 200s eventually pretty soon like but it's a boring it's not that fun to be like okay i'm just going to buy this stock it's gonna take many, many years to get rich off. You're not gonna get rich off Apple by like it's only gonna go up a couple hundred percent at the most in the next decade. So you're not gonna get like rich off it. But it pays a dividend, so that's nice. And it just it's just a place to park money and not have to worry about it. Like, even if there's a huge stock crash, it's like okay. I'm not too worried because if most of my money is in Apple, I'm pretty sure that's not the, I'm not, it's not like I'm alone in that boat. I'm pretty sure it'll come, like that's not the worst place to have, it's not a volatile place to store wealth, Apple. So that's that type of stock. That's a. It's a blue chip tech stock that, you know, it's not that undervalued, but it's one that you could just, store money in and not worry about it like okay that was a bad decision no it's not a bad decision it's just a boring decision and it's only one company so that is not super advisable to just put all your eggs in one basket in my opinion i wouldn't do i don't do that i'm buying all sorts of different stocks i'm not putting like 10 grand in one stock or 50 grand in one index I'm too new to the game, and it's more fun. I, I, it'd be boring. Like, okay, I'm just gonna buy one index fund, just buy spy, just buy S and P 500 ETFs for the rest of my life. That's it's so boring, even though that's not a bad idea. It's because it takes zero thought, and over the course of decades, yeah, that's gonna appreciate and pay dividends. So yeah, you're gonna not, you're gonna get rich you're going to generate you're going to grow your your wealth by doing only that just buying one or two ETFs index funds which are all the rage as opposed to individual companies which is like okay you got to really do the research you got to really know about that company you got to pay attention to it more but if you're lazy and if you're not that passionate about investing and you don't really care about doing that type of research and you just want something more uh, stable and less risk. Yeah, the ind- index funds are all the rage, man. So I, w- so but but there's these tech stocks, man. So you got. I'm doing both. I'm investing over the course of the next few months. I want to get as much money as I could live without, because you need some money to live. But if I have, this is me talking. This is just me. My temperament is instant gratification like I I go for like okay if I want something I'm gonna f- feel I might just buy it if I have an, if I have an a hundred thousand dollars in the bank it's like okay let's look at these fancy uh microphones that I don't need but I hey I I could get one tomorrow on amazon it's like so. Yeah, if I just have money lying around, it's gonna be. I'm gonna feel the temptation to just blow it on things that are not gonna appreciate in value. So now I have this, str- this like, this like urgency to like get as much of it invested or at least in my brokerage account as I can before I spend it on stupid stuff. Because once it's in the stock market, it takes. It's not as easy to just take it out. It's like you got to go through you got to sell it, you got to make sure, you got to pay taxes on your gain and losses, you got to withdraw it from the broker account and pay fees. So once it's in the stock market, that's locked away from my dumb animal brain, my impulsive human body. It's like, okay, it's in the stock market. Don't worry about it. You can look at it but don't even think about taking on any of that money out until, until you have, until it's your time. There is a time to sell stocks. You can't just never sell them. But if they're paying a dividend, I mean, you can never sell them. Of course, that's an option. You could just always hold your shares of Apple because that is intergenerational. That's an intergenerational company, man. Uh, But uh, but on the other hand, I mean, of course, you gotta take profits for other depending on your strategy. So I have this other side of my portfolio that will be that I'm investing in stuff that has that I'm hoping does go up in a short term period, not just like not in like a decade. Uh, So I'm talking about like Nvidia, that shit. I forget what it's at right now, like seventy bucks or something. I'd I'd forgot where it's at right now, but it, the point is, it was it's down like a lot, and it could easily double in in price. Same with PayPal, Square, and a couple others. Coinbase, Coinbase stock is something I've overlooked. It's like oh, I don't care, and I'm not in the stocks. I'm in crypto. crypto. Crypto's way more like exciting. Because of the adrenaline of the, like of seeing it go up in such a short amount of time, but that volatility, it wears on you after a while. After a while, it's like you know what, that's that's great for young people, like seeing stuff skyrocket a thousand percent overnight. But like, how about something more predictable that's actually going to feel legitimate and not just be all in this new digital based currency. I want something that f- that's not just going to z- go away if it gets hacked. Having all your money in Coinbase does not feel secure at all. So that's why the stock market appeals to me a lot more than crypto. Hey, of of course when crypto goes up again, I'm I'm the first one to I'll be right there feeling the excitement and trying to get out of it and sell my positions so i could get it into stocks man to build real wealth most of my wealth is in this is in real estate right now so anyway i'm excited to get old compound interest compounding your net worth from dividends that's what life is about once you hit 30 so it should be that before that but like it's not appeal. It's not f- interesting to people. It's like, hey man, did you know that if you invested ten thousand bucks in uh, I don't know Amazon in the nineties, it'd be worth like I don't know six million dollars right now? So yeah, but I, that's in the course of like thirty years. I don't. Who's, who's who cares? Okay, in thirty years, I could have made. Six million, like, okay, who had, I didn't have $10,000 anyway at that time. But it becomes more appealing to you as you get older because, I don't know, how do I explain that? It's like, because you don't really get excited for much else in life. Once you hit a certain age, it's like, what am I doing this for? It's like everything, if you're not accumulating wealth, then it's like what's what's there to look forward to? Like the, the everything gets boring. Like Super Bowl commercials, like, okay, the holidays, family, that's it. Money and family. It just becomes like, oh man, I can't wait for for the market to come. Even if the market just stays where it is, there's still these dividend indexes that are all the rage and there's new ones coming out all the time that are The smart way to invest, long like even when the market is down, you could make pretty high yielding dividends. Like I don't know the exact percentage, up to like I think like ten percent a year, if not more. And that that adds up. Just seeing it, even if it's not that much at first, like just the fact that it compounds. It's like okay, even if you only make like a thousand bucks a year off dividends. For your whole portfolio, that's a thousand bucks you didn't have before, that's now also included in that principle. So now that thousand bucks is also going to generate ten bucks. In addition, it's going to accumulate income. The word compound is just the most sexy thing to me, even though it takes years and years for this to happen happen it's like hey if i'm making so much in passive dividends that i could live off it that's pretty awesome that's where you want to be in life you want to have so much money that you're just having it gives you more money enough to live off all of the the only obstacle is the knowledge of how to invest it and getting it in the first place it's crazy that all it is is just one number just having a number in your bank account and it's easily so easily it could happen overnight you could transfer it less than overnight you could transfer a billion dollars to somebody in minutes with dogecoin and there it is okay you're not you're now a billionaire and you have you'll never be broke for the rest of your life if you just put it in the right. If you just allocate it, don't leave it in Dogecoin. That'd be insane, for many reasons. You get hacked. You somebody would come and assassinate you and then steal it somehow. If it's in a financial institution, yeah, that's not gonna. It's gonna be a little bit harder for somebody to steal it. So if you got, so of course, if you have a billion dollars in Doge, you would sell half of it. At, you would sell as much as you can without crashing the price which you would. So you'd have to sell it over the course of who knows how long. So but immediately the first thing you'd do is put 10 million of it in real assets like uh indexes, mutual funds, I guess real estate, something like just something real. Anything's better than than crypto. You know? And then you would make interest. You'd get paid interest on it just from having it in your bank. And you would put it in a high yield account of any kind. And, and there you go. You'd be making like a million bucks a year. Easily. Yeah, easily a million a year just off passive income. Just because somebody. So, like, that's fucking that should be what everybody is uh, chasing once you get that knowledge of how to invest and just knowing how it's not that complicated and all it takes is allocating your assets to the to these to these proportion these uh Jesus Christ I am not doing a good job of okay I think I talked I think you get where I'm coming from it's just like once you get that knowledge of like, oh, I could have been making, I could have been putting my money to work. Anytime I have a thousand bucks, instead of putting it into something stupid, like, like well, like a couch, which is not that stupid, like a pillow for the couch, for example, like a $500 pillow, I could have put that, I could have bought a couple shares of this index That pays a dividend. So the earlier you start doing that, the sooner you'll realize how valuable that is, man. It's like you want to do it as soon as possible. But I'm fine. I'm I'm right where I should be. And I'm going to be buying more stock. I don't know, man. Once you have a net worth that becomes so fun, it's like, okay, how do I get more how do I build not get more it's not all about like ooh I want more money it's not just pure greed it's the satisfaction and security it's the feeling of security mixed with knowing that you just did something right and it's validating and it's like ah it's everything about it is appealing man so and it's not the same thing as we're not talking about day trading. I'm not interested in like okay let's i'm gonna game the, i'm gonna like predict the market. It's like nah, I'm not really predicting anything. I'm going off past patterns. I'm just looking at the cyclical nature of the market, how it tends to go up or down one or the other, or it just stays the same can only do those three things, so how do you react to those three situations bear market, bull market stagnant market well, there's always something you could be doing to maximize your your investment position There's always something you could be doing as a reaction to the market, and that's that's just, that's it. I'm just reacting to the way the market is currently in a downtrend it's in a long term year long downtrend so what am i doing i'm invest i'm putting money into stuff that's undervalued that could likely bounce way back up like technology stocks that i've mentioned and i'm also buying these high yield dividend index funds that do well when the market is not doing that well so it's fun and as soon as I run out of money to invest it's like okay you don't wanna do that you don't wanna invest everything you got because then if the market goes down even more it's like fuck I'm stuck I'm stuck in this position I can't liquidate yet because I'll lose money so you have these paper losses that you can't do anything about. You just have to wait it out. So nah, you got to pace yourself. So I'm only investing over the, a, you know, a couple thousand bucks a day at the most because I, I have a limit that I can invest. I can't just buy 20 grand worth of a stock. I want to do it slowly because every day I'm learning quite a bit. I didn't know anything about this these dividend indexes. I knew I liked the idea of dividends, but I didn't know which ones were good, and which ones that also can go up as the market goes up. This, that's like a double whammy. So anyway, that's the whole thing. I wanted. I think that's enough for the whole investment world that I've been talking about. And yeah, you know, I, I did talk a lot about that. So, so what am I? So I'm still obsessed with uh, TikTok. You know, like I get. It's it's very painful to know that I suck at it, and there's and I'm trying to tap into something that's gonna actually get me a following, and so far I don't know what it is. I well I have an idea though. I know that I want it to involve my voice and be funny. That's the only two things I know. So I'm up to a hundred and eighteen followers. And that's, you know, so twice as much as I had last episode, almost twice as much, not quite. And, and I have, I want to hit a thousand followers on TikTok because then I could live stream. And that's kind of all I want to do is just be a dude that does karaoke live in on the internet. And that's a pretty low thing to ask for. That's not a big thing to ask for. I don't think. But to make that interesting to other people, it's not a big audience for that. So it's got to be funny. It's got to be. And, but that's possible, though. It doesn't have to be. Car- it could just be cover songs. So because there's this artist that I found that I'm soup that he's my role model. He's my inspiration for who I'm trying to be. Is the dude, his name is Sandaru Sathsara. He's Sri Lankan and he sang It's My Life by Bon Jovi on uh TikTok. It just became a huge viral song on TikTok. It's It's My Life in all or never. La, 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 be, blah blah blah. I don't know, just the way he sings it is hilarious. And he went viral and like now he has like a career kind of just being a dude it's, he definitely has a career he's got a million subscribers on youtube and he puts out these funny cover songs he's self-aware it's not like he thinks he's not being it's not serious they're supposed to be funny but they're just cover songs in the sri Lankan style that's it and it's he's killing it so that's what i got to do i got to record funny cover songs and some and try to make them go viral because if other people start using them in their TikToks, that's a way to gain attention to people. that, oh, you're the dude who sang that fucking cover song, like. So that kind of became a realization. It's like oh, I could just I could maybe be a musical artist, like Weird Al or something like like a parody act. So. That's pretty fun, man. So I got two projects that I'm focused on. None of which are going out. None of which are doing stand like stand up. That could come back. I, you know, I, I'll always be a stand up to some extent. I want to be a TikTok star. Anyway, so I don't. I, that's pretty. We don't need to keep going. This is long. This has been a long episode. Um, I could keep talking, but. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about boring stuff, and I like that this is boring. Anyway, this has been episode 39 of the Tim Weissbom Show. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it.